Thank you, Sirule CTK, for having us come back today. And uh, you're, you're a blessing. And it's amazing to think of it as being partners together in the work of God, how when we work together, you know, when, when the Great Commission was given, it wasn't given, uh, first of all, start here and then move on and go somewhere else. It's, the work continues here. The work continues around the world. And we're all together in this thing we call serving God. Amen? Amen. And mm-hmm. so uh, we want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We don't know how to say thank you enough for your support, for your love, for your prayers. Uh, many of you know I got very sick in Liberia and almost passed away. I got sepsis. It's a bacterial blood inf- yeah, yeah, thank you, Nathan. Nathan will, Nathan will help me today. And, uh, but, uh, but uh, yeah, Nathan's another part of our story. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's a great part of our story. Uh, but uh, almost passed away. I'd been up at a conference way up in the interior of Liberia um, in a place called Bong, not Bong County. Um, yeah, it was Bong County. Way, Bonga County, way up, and uh, uh, a group of people asked me to come do a, 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 a conference with them and for them, and so I taught every morning, and then every afternoon I preached, and then in the evening, different churches would, would their pastors would share in the conference, and there were about 1,600 people at this conference in a big old brush arbor. Uh, in this village. There's, and, and understand, no running water, no electricity. Uh, we're roughing it. I had it pretty good. I got to stay in a pastor's home. He had a little cinder block home. And, and I had a person who was bringing water and filling up a tub of water every day for me and the guys that were staying in this house so we could take our bucket baths. And, uh, and so we had, we had water, and they brought bottled water for us to drink, but there was no running water. But that's, that's life in Liberia in most of the country. And so, but we had it good because this pastor's daughter just waited on us hand and foot. But so for eight, seven days, we were, we were ministering and, and I was there by myself. The family stayed back at the house. But then on the, the Sunday I woke up for the, or it was Monday, the last day of the conference, I woke up and oh man, did I feel bad. I had the chills. I was freezing cold and, and Liberia never gets below, below 75, it's usually at least 75 all the time, usually 80. At night, it doesn't cool off much. Humidity stays anywhere from 80 to 100% most of the time. And, and so it's just a hot place. That's just the way it is there. And uh, I'm freezing. I'm putting whatever I can find on. And then I run down. I do my little 10-minute thing I had to do that morning. I got back to my room, and I laid in the bed. I covered up with blanks blankets and all these things. I started throwing up, having the diarrhea, and all the way back I was doing that. And I, I had no idea what was going, going on. And <laughs> just so he doesn't say anything, you know, gives any family secrets away, we'll be all right. <laughs> We're not responsible. It's all my wife's fault. But uh, so we're driving back and they get a flat tire. And there's no spare tire, so they have to, I'm, laying, I'm in this front of this car, and, and I'm way out here. I don't know what's going on most of the time. Uh, and and they get this tire fixed, they bring it back to the car, and they don't have Les Schwab in Liberia, okay? Um, so they find somebody who has a sledgehammer and a couple of crowbars, and they take the tire off. You know, Butch, how they do it in the, on the farm. 
crowbar, uh, sledgehammer, you beat that thing off, you fix the hole and you beat it back on, you put air in it and then they wheel it back and they're thumbing ride to get back. And I don't know how long it took them to get that back together. And then we're heading down the road this whole time. I'm doing what I'm doing. It's just not a nice thing. And Terry meets us halfway. We get to the clinic and we're very thankful because our doctor at the clinic was, was, uh, uh, served in the Marines in the, in the States as she got her medical training there. And she's a Liberian gal, a uh, tough little gal, uh, not little either. She's a big gal. She's a big Liberian lady, uh, strong, not, not just strong. And, and she says, you know what? I'm not sure what you have, but I'm going to put you on a broad spectrum antibiotic. She started dumping fluids into me and then sent me to the hospital. By the time we got to the hospital, my blood pressure was down 70 over 40. And um, you know the song, knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Yeah, that's where I was at. But just like John, who had a heart attack this year, God spared his life. God spared my life. He's got something for us to do, right, John? And so uh, um, 50, 50% of people that, that get this sepsis die from it, many of them lose hands and feet because the blood rushes to the center of the heart to try to protect the heart, and so the circulation for the hands and feet goes away, and so people will wake up 24 hours later, and, and they won't have what they had when they got sick. And so God, God has really washed over us, and uh, just said to my brother, God is good all the time, even when you're in those situations, God's still good. It's not God's fault, God is still good. He's faithful, and he watches over us. So thank you for praying for us. Thank you for your support. Uh, your partner's with us. When we're there, you're there with us. You're our home church. You've been with us through thick and thin, and we're just so thankful for you. And uh, I'm not going to go on anymore right now. I just want to show this slideshow. It's about five minutes. And this slideshow really describes an overview of what we're involved in. It was called Community Health Evangelism. The whole goal of Community Health Evangelism is prevention. Uh, many people go to the clinics, many people go to the doctors in, in, in Liberia and, and in many uh, other countries in the world, and they're there because it's something that could have been prevented, a disease that could have been prevented, very simply by washing hands, very simply by, by learning where to do their, their personal business outside. In the, one of the villages where I'm at right now, where I've started a, a community health evangelism group, we have a committee out in a vi- uh, village called Vincent Town. There are no toilets in that village. There's no outhouses. There's nothing. So they go out in the bush or they go to the edge of the village and they do what they have to do outside. And many times they don't cover it. They don't, uh, per- they don't do anything. And so simply a, a simple success story is going into a place like this where they ask us to come and say, would you help us figure out what's going on? Why are we having diarrhea in our village? Why are our children sick all the time? And so we do our training. We train the committee and then the committee chooses the community health evangelist and we train them and we train them on the subject that they feel they need to have dealt with in their village or in their community. And maybe it is that issue of of diarrhea, and we train them about how to clean up the water source or how to protect their water source. We teach them, you know, when you go to the toilet, just simply dig a hole, and then when you're done, cover it. And that will keep the flies from flying onto your food and and everywhere else. And, And just very simple, basic things. But when they have these small successes, they see, you know what, we can do this. And it stops being being something somebody's doing for them. So it's, it's prevention and it's development. Liberia has been 
receiving relief for many years. And there's people in Liberia now, there are Liberians who want to see development. They want to see a time come when they're no longer dependent on people outside of the country. They want to develop what they have in their country. And so we go into their, their places of, of, of living, village. You saw some pictures of us in the city in the bigger, fancier churches. We go wherever they ask us to go, and we begin to teach. We were living in Liberia um, this last time before I got sick. We were in an upstairs house, and we would look down into the community, and there's a well in the community behind a house. And, but the people of the community would go behind that place because there was no toilets in the houses. And they would also use that whole area around the well as their toilet. So, you know, just one plus one is two. You know, they're ruining their water source, but they don't understand that. And so we have a great opportunity to just in very basic ways, you know, say, you know, if you do this over here, you're going to get better here. And it's a neat thing to watch them as they, as they grow in their knowledge and understanding. They become healthier and things get better God begins to strengthen them and work in their lives. So number one thing is we're evangelizing. We come in with the program and we say we're going to share on this issue in your homes for one hour on the health issue. And then we share a biblical principle out of the word of God for an hour in your homes. And they accept that and they embrace that. And people are getting saved. Their lives are being changed, transformed from the inside out. And then their neighborhoods begin to be transformed because they see the importance of living lives that are cleaner and that are healthier. And so a holistic approach to the gospel of Christ is what we're doing. So that just kind of gives you in a nutshell what we're up to and, and, and what we're involved in. Now, there are people here I haven't seen for a long time, and I want to say thanks for coming. The Greens, I've known them forever and ever. They're, they're, they're I'm not going to say anymore. I'm in trouble. Uh, Ron and Kathy Green, and then our, our friends in the back. Uh, see, I have a good memory, but it's short. <sighs> he mows lawns. Huh? Frank, Frank. Oh, isn't that awful? Frank and your precious wife and your son, thank you for being here today. And, and Narda and Butch, thanks for being here today. I'm, I don't want to point people out that might embarrass them. But, but, and everybody here, that just, just thank you for being here and, and uh, supporting us and loving us and praying for us. Man, we covet your prayers. Uh, it's, a, it's a great place. Liberia is an amazing country. It's not an easy country, but it's an amazing country. And those, the Liberian people are strong. They're a strong people. They're determined. Uh, and we want to come along and just just be a help to them. So just to give you another little snippet, when we go into a village or into a community with community health evangelism, we don't say, you need a well here, or we don't say, you need a latrine here. What we do is we come in and we... We offer the program to them. They choose who their workers are going to be. They choose who their evangelists are going to be. And then they tell us what they think they need to see happen in their community. And then we train them on that issue. It becomes theirs. It's a community-owned project. And it becomes their life. In the Congo, during the Civil War, the Presbyterian Church had a missionary in the Congo he had to leave during the war. When he left, the community health evangelism program kept going because it's sustainable, it's transferable, it's something that is not dependent on money from outside. They doubled their churches in that area. The villages became healthier. There were less sick children in those villages during the war because it was community-owned. It became their own. It was not dependent on monies or resources from outside of the country. We want it to become a sustainable thing that is supported by them 
led by them, and as we establish the program, then what we do, we do a trainer of trainer program, where we train people right out of those villages and right out of that city. We train them, and then they receive all the material we have, and then they can continue the program, and we don't even have to be there. And so then we move on to another area. That's what we're doing, and, and we're excited. It, it's amazing. I could go on and on. They have programs for women's cycle of life. Terry teaches that. The ladies don't know anything about their bodies or what's going on or, or what's happening with them. Uh, we have a whole program for uh, children's CHE, community health evangelism. They have ministry for pastors, training pastors in community health evangelism. So uh, the sky's the limit. The, the work is out there. We just want to get back. And so that's why we're running around here this last couple of weeks and coming across the country to, to just uh, ask you to continue to pray for us and support us. And, and we're going to see God do some great things. We pray for you. We thank you. And thank you, Pastor John, Pastor Lawler, for the work you're doing here and, and the good things that are happening. And uh, God's kingdom is going to go forward. Our, our, this, this world's kingdom, we see it around as it's crumbling but the kingdom of God will prevail and will go forward because it's the kingdom of our God. And we can be assured and thankful and faithful knowing that with God before us, no one can be against us. We can move ahead. It doesn't matter what happens in the economy. It doesn't matter what happens politically. The kingdom of God will prevail. And we're part of that kingdom. And so that's our hope. So keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't ever lose sight of Jesus. Don't ever let him Get out of the picture. You know, I hear people say, and I'm going to start preaching. I've got to be careful. But I, I called somebody not too long ago, and they said, well, we're not, we're not going to church much anymore. We're, we're spending time with our family. Don't ever go there. Don't ever go there. It's only one day, Sunday, for an hour. You need to be in the church with your God's people to hear the word of God. And then you've got the rest of the week to establish your family, the things of God that you learned on Sunday or on Wednesday or whenever you meet. Amen. So keep your eyes on Christ. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. But fix your eyes and know that he is leading you, guiding us. That's, that's what we're doing. No matter if we get sick, no matter if things go down, Christ is still on the throne. We have that help. Amen. So thank you. Thanks so much. I just wanted to kind of wrap things up before we go to our 4th of July uh weekend barbecue just kind of follow up on what Jim talked about is and the fact that Jesus makes a difference in lives and we just celebrated the 4th of July anybody been to Independence Hall I got to go back to a few years ago our son was in Jersey and we crossed over to, to Philly and went to Independence Hall and there's something about standing in that hall and the table's still there that you know they sat at and uh the place they signed it, and they've left it just like it was for 200 and, what is 30-some years? 238. 238, we're up to 238. And standing there, I'm thinking these people started something they had a passion for. They wanted to be free. They wanted to have a nation where you could have freedom of religion and you could uh, live freely. And uh, they wrote it down. They said, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal they're endowed by their creator. We're certain inalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. They recognize their creator. And they recognize that our rights and responsibilities came, come from God. And they continued. You want to go to that next slide? I don't have my clicker. And, 
and at the end of that, they said, and for support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. As soon as they signed that, they committed treason. They just signed up to stand against, you know, foreign power. But they were so adamant that the right of people to be free and the right of people to have a life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness was so important that they were willing to literally put their lives on the line. And here we are, 238 years later, uh, celebrating another 4th of July for the freedoms that we have as a nation. But as Jim said, those freedoms can change. Politics can change. Worlds can be turned upside down overnight. And, and the kingdom of the United States, we don't know how long that's going to be. But what Jim said, the kingdom of God is for how long? Forever. It has no end. And when you became a Christian, when you accepted Christ into your life, it says you were translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light his glorious son and we're members of the kingdom of light he saw some fireworks over the weekend he ain't seen nothing yet (laughs) wait till you step into heaven where the light of god lights that place there's no there's no need for electricity because the glory of god lights i I can't imagine i mean some of you've tasted a little bit of that glory sometimes when you're in worship and prayer and and you just sense the glory of god you imagine living in in the glory of God forever. And the light of God lights that place. And so the freedom that our founders purchased for us and has been kept over the years through the wars and and men's lives have been laid down so we could be here to celebrate the 238th 4th of July weekend. That is awesome and that's important. But there's a higher and greater freedom that even goes beyond that. And that's the freedom that Christ purchased us. In that next slide, it says, To the Jews who believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. Then you know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. And he who the Son has set free is what? Free indeed. We live in a free nation, but that could change. But the freedom that Christ gave us will never change. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when we committed our life to him, we were set free. What are some of the things we were set free from? You ever think about that? He who the Son is set free is free indeed. Somebody throw it out. We can have a little. Free of fear. Free of, fear. Free of doubt. Free of doubt. Perfect love casts out all fear. No longer. No longer. We're free from the penalty of sin. Anybody like that one? The wages of sin is what? But the gift of God is what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We, he set us free and we could do nothing about it. He paid. I owed a debt I couldn't pay and he paid a debt he didn't owe. What else are we free, been set free from? Worry. From death. Yeah. Death wears your sting. Grave wears your victory. It's been swallowed up. Jim mentioned I had a heart attack last September 1st. It was a a holiday weekend and uh, hanging out with the kids, played a little wiffle ball, hit a good hit, man the home run, you know, and and back at the the base. And and as we sat, as I sat there, I was thinking, boy, I'm feeling pretty good, Gary, you know. 
I'm 61 years old, and I can still hit, hit the wiffle ball out of the park. <laughs> but, uh, but then all of a sudden, I had symptoms kind of like Jim, and, you know, and, and we called the EMTs, and they come in, and they put all the wires on you. And we had had a barbecue, our son's from Texas, and they know how to barbecue in Texas. We don't barbecue here. He says, you guys just cook, but Texans barbecue. He had barbecued ribs, barbecued chicken. He had pulled pork and sauces and rubs. And I mean, boy, I ate a bunch, put it that way. And so I figured I must be indigestion. That's what he's got to be and all that. And, uh, and they put all the wires on me and they ran the test, said, yeah, we don't see anything. Maybe it is indigestion. And uh, I said, yeah, I'll go for that. But we're going to take you in anyhow. So they loaded me up in the, in the ambulance and drove me into the hospital. I get into the hospital and go into the ER. And, and I tell the doc, I think it's just indigestion. And she hooks the wires up there. And, yeah, we're not seeing anything. So I'm getting ready to pull the wires off. And, and all of a sudden, uh, somebody comes running. You're having a heart attack right now. I, what do you mean a heart attack? You're having a heart attack right now. You need to get into surgery. And they had one of their best surgeons down there who was on duty on Labor Day uh, weekend on that Monday, uh, Labor Day. He was on duty. I mean, and they rushed me in there and sure enough, I had 100% blockage on a major artery. I'd been to my doctor four days earlier for manual physical. He said, you're in great shape. Heart sounds good. Cholesterol's good. You know, you're going to, and last thing I walked out and, and doctors, you know, I don't put him down. He's just doing the best he can with the information he had. He says, you're going to live a long life. I go, all right. Four days later, hundred percent blockage in surgery, uh, fighting, uh, literally I talked to a medic after he said, yeah, we call that one the widow maker, <laughs> but God was gracious. It happened when I was in the hospital with one of the best surgeons in the area on duty. And so they went in and cleaned it out and put a little thing called a stent to open it up. And, and I remember coming out of ER, Steve, and we're willing out, you know, I'm coming out of surgeon. This guy's waving this piece of paper in my face. And I go, what's that? He says, oh, this is your EKG when your heart stopped in surgery. It's flat line. He said, you want it? I said, get it out of here. <laughs> They had to take the, you know, the, the deals they put on you. And, and, and I've done that as a volunteer firefighter. We've zapped people and, you know, you kind of jump a little bit. And, but I was out, so I didn't feel it. And my heart, you know, jump started. It was down and gave it a jump start. So it's running again. Hopefully I won't need a jump start until Jesus calls me home. But all that to say is God has set us free from the fear of death. Because I could just as easily gone home. Jim could have gone home and he and I'd be up there just rejoicing in heaven and waiting for you guys. But, uh, but God wasn't done and he's not done with any of you. He still has a plan and purpose for each of your lives. I don't care how old you are or how young you are. He set us free for a reason. And it's not just to kick back and wait till Jesus comes. It's to be what? We have a group called J12 and they're kids from 10 to 12 and they have t-shirts And it says, I must. And when Jesus was 12, he said, I must what? Be about my father's business. And I'm not 12 anymore. And most of you aren't. But we still must be about our father's business. Of sharing the good news that Jesus will set you free. He'll set you free from the fear of death. From the penalty of sin. From worry. From doubt. From fear. 
And, and he paid the price for that to happen, though, didn't he? It, it happened because he was willing to come and pay the price. Now he's asked you and I to take that freedom that he's given us and go into all the world, make disciples, preach the gospel, baptizing them. And that's what Jim and Terry and their family are doing. And I just want to close with a verse. In Isaiah kind of summarizes why we're why we're free. Isaiah forty three, I think it is. You know, we don't do this much anymore, do we? Go to the Bible, it's always up there on the screen. Anybody have you anybody remember the days where the, the preacher would say, If you'd open your Bible, it's Isaiah forty three, verse one. Remember those days? And everybody had opened their Bibles. And now we say it's up on the screen, which is okay. But Isaiah forty three one. Now this is what the Lord says. I love it. It's what God says, not what John Skiffington says or Jim Cannon or any other teacher. This is what the Lord says. That's the good stuff, right? He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not. Fear not. And then he tells us why we don't have to fear. Because I've redeemed you. I've called you by name. And you're mine. Isn't that awesome? You don't have to be afraid because I've redeemed you. In other words, he paid the price for you to be his. And that price wasn't the blood of bulls and lambs, but it was the precious blood of Christ on the cross. God who came down and died on a cross and rose again so we could be redeemed. We used to sing an old song, redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the lamb. Some of you know that one. His child and forever I am. Aren't you glad you've been redeemed? I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've redeemed you, but he didn't just redeem you. He's redeemed you and he's called you by name. God knows your name. We live in a world where they don't want your name anymore. What do they want? Your number, your password, your whatever. Nobody cares about your name. What's your social security number? What's your... Password, uh, what's, and, but God knows your name. In fact, the Bible says, when you became a Christian, where was your name written? In the Lamb's Book of Life. There's another old song. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. I, I always like to think of some big old angel up there, Patrick, with a, in a big book. And when you accepted Jesus, he flipped it open and wrote, Patrick O'Brien, right in there. And it's in unremovable ink. I mean, it's in there. It's there. It's in the book. And when the roll is called up yonder, they open the book. And everyone whose name was written in the book of life, come on in, Patrick, your name's right here. So he's redeemed us, but he didn't just redeem us for some impersonal. He redeemed us so we can have a relationship. He knows my name. And then it's almost like God can't contain himself. I've redeemed you. I've summoned you or called you by name and you're mine. It's like he just wants to wrap his arm around us. Say, you're mine. We had our two grandkids up this weekend. Two twins, two-year-old twins who are, well, they're going to be our grandkids. Our daughter's working on adopting them and, and just really awesome. And, and any grandmother sure? Anybody have pictures of grandkids? You know, and granddads, yeah, granddads. And, uh, 
you know how it is when you get together. Oh, you got to see the latest picture of my grandkids. And, you know, and now with these smartphones, you only have to carry it in your wallet. You just look on the phone and everybody's flashing pictures of, and that's awesome because they're mine. You know, they're my grandkids. And, and that's how God feels about you. You're, you're, he's called you. He's redeemed you. He's paid an awesome price to have you become his. And he knows your name. And then he says, and you're mine. You know, I don't know if they have photo albums in heaven, but I can see, you know, it's like God getting Peter and, and John, come here. You got to see him. And, and they point down, they're mine and they're mine and they're mine. And, and, and you belong to him and, and he loves you that much. He sets you free from the fear of death, from the penalty of sin. He set us free into eternal life, into his kingdom. And the kingdoms of this world are going to what? Pass away. But the kingdom of God is forever. So as we're celebrating the 4th of July in this wonderful nation where we're free to worship like this, that could change. But the kingdom of God is unchanging. The king is unchanging. Jesus Christ is what the same when? Yesterday, today, and forever. We don't have to worry about waking up tomorrow, opening the front page and say, God changed his mind about salvation. Ain't going to happen because God doesn't change. So all the change and things happening in this world, remember that we serve an unchanging God who has set us free.